Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Hey friends, I just wanted to thank you so much for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen. I wanted to ask a big favor. Can you guys help me out and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, whatever platform you're listening on? This really helps other people to be able to see the podcast when they're searching in the app, and it would help our podcast out a whole bunch. Thanks in advance. Listeners, welcome to our 18th episode. It's so crazy. Today on the podcast, we have Jackie Larry. I met Jackie through my husband, Dietrich, because both Jackie and Dietrich work together at the same school. In this episode, Jackie shares her consistent passion for music and how she persisted in finding and creating a career path that included her biggest passion of music. Throughout our chat, Jackie shares about how there were many turning points and how that is where life got interesting and her life made many pivots and turns as she pursued her passion of music and wanting to turn that into a career. You are for sure not going to want to miss out on hearing Jackie's story. You're going to want to lean in and hear how Jackie pursued her passion for music. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Jackie. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Jackie Larry. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You are my second guest to interview in person, which is exciting. Nice. and so it's a little bit different for me to be seeing you face to face Mm -hmm. not like through a screen or something right right so can you introduce yourself to the listeners so they can kind of know a little bit about you where you're from uh, maybe a fun fact or two a little short summary of who you are okay so I'm Jackie I'm a Chicago native born and bred Um, I grew up on the south side of Chicago Um, I'm from a pretty large family my parents have um, eight kids so I'm number five of eight so that's very kind of like key to my upbringing and who I am kind of finding my place in this world my you know values coming up Um, so yeah I'm a south side of Chicago girl I currently am a teacher I teach choir um, in Chicago and yeah Awesome. Yeah. You actually teach at the same school as my husband, Dietrich, right? Yes, absolutely. So how do you think he is as a teacher? Right. He's great. I mean, I guess you're not in his class. Right. You could say that. Right. Awesome. Okay. So you kind of gave us a little bit of this already that you grew up on the south side of Chicago. But can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what life was like for you growing up? You had a lot of siblings, mm-hmm. so I'm guessing you probably didn't really have, um, you know, like alone time. You probably always had a friend with you. Mm-hmm. I definitely would say that um, my and I was like the middle um, of of eight. Our family um, order kind of goes. I have two older brothers and then two older sisters. So the girls are right in a row. Um, and we're all like two years apart. And then I have three younger brothers. So definitely my sisters growing up and even still now are my closest friends. And that just kind of came with, with the family. They are my confidants. Um, when we were younger, you know, they were my playmates mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So um, did I have a whole lot of alone time? No. Maybe that's why <laughs> I crave it so much now. Sometimes I'm just like, I just need to be left alone. Um, but yeah, I kind of had like a um, kind of built in kind of like system of, of friends. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even to this day, my sisters and I are very close. I count them as my friends now and probably my closest friends. Um my childhood was interesting. I grew up in a very 
religious um, household, very um, kind of strict. Um, and my parents were, I mean, I was, we were kind of like the folks that were like in church every Sunday, mm-hmm. Tuesday and Friday, <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the church events. And so like that was very much central to our family upbringing as well. Um, there were a lot of things that I tell people that um, there was a lot that I can appreciate about the way I grew up. We weren't, there were some things we weren't really allowed to do, but I think it helped us to kind of maintain our childhood innocence a little bit longer. Maybe almost sometimes to the point of just a little bit of naivete, but we had a very sheltered, but I don't think it wasn't smothering kind of childhood. And Mm -hmm. so my parents let us be ourselves and explore things and really um, supported us in our various endeavors and interests and all of that, which I think is very important. So, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. So when you were in um, kind of like high school, what were you thinking about for like next steps, like for your, for your life? Were you, did you know if you wanted to go to college or are you thinking about just working after high school? Mm-hmm. What were you thinking like the later high school years? The expectation for myself was always to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for myself. I mean, it was my parents' expectations. I had one, well, I had two brothers actually that went by, um, went to the military. And so my parents were kind of like, it's military or college. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, college it is. And so, yeah, and that, that was again, big for my family. My parents don't have college degrees. And so then we were kind of like first generation, um, college students. All like, eight of you? Actually, no, it, it would be my sisters and both of my sisters and then my youngest brother all have college degrees and then four of my brothers do not. So I don't know if it was maybe a message to, to the girls specifically. I think all of us had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the girls just kind of like latched onto that and pursued education maybe a little bit more intentionally. Um, um, to the point where all three of us now are in education ourselves in some way. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what were you thinking in the later college years, were you college, high school, mm-hmm. um, about what kind of career? Because you're a teacher now, but is that what you were thinking about becoming um, at the end of high school? Is that what you were wanting to major in? Uh, yes. It- uh, what were you thinking about uh, as a major as you were in the end of your high school years, uh, major for college? I was definitely thinking about majoring in music. And my life took many different twists and turns along that path. But I can say probably one of the, you know, once I got into high school, I got very involved with my like choir and choir experience and singing and all of that. Um, I also had a teacher in high school that was very influential um, in terms of like shaping both my musicality and musicianship, but also she was just someone that I really looked up to in terms of who she was as a person, her character, personality, and all of that. Um, and But then also I just realized that I had this gift um, of music, and so it was something that I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. I remember in particular my senior year of high school going to a Chicago Children's Choir concert. I had several friends who were in the Chicago Children's Choir, and I went to support them. And I can I can almost, like, see myself now in that space. Like, it was at this church downtown, and they were singing um, this song called uh, Prayer of the Children, and just watching the conductor mm-hmm like work with these kids like I knew then like that that's what I wanted to do what do you think was like so attractive about that besides your love of music did you did you grow up uh uh, like babysitting or like watching um like children or teaching kids uh not really well I mean I had a lot of siblings so that's a thing and then yeah I don't know I think 
it really it started with a love of music and then I think an extension of that is just a love for humanity but then also um I I don't think I ever wanted to teach like elementary school music I still don't god bless all the <laughs> elementary school teachers but that is not what I want to do with my life um but so high school specifically because I just felt like it was such uh, an important time in my life mm -hmm. and I think about all of the experiences I had um my first opportunity to travel abroad came through my um, high school choir experience. Um, and I think about all the performances we had, the opportunities we had to sing at different places around the city or go on trips and all of that was just so much a part of um, my own high school experience. Also the relationships that I had with my classmates at the time. And it just was a really, um, special time in high mm -hmm. school for me. And so in some ways, I think I wanted to kind of recreate that for another generation. Um, also in terms of like the musical potential, like I like choir music, I like harmony. And I just, in my mind, I always just saw myself working with um, teenage voices. Um, I thought that that was kind of my niche. Um, as I got a little bit older, you know, even through like my early years of college, I also started working with um, like the youth choir at my church. And mm -hmm. so I just found that I just like working with I like the, the um, both the freshness of the voice, but then also the potential of what the voices could be. So the idea of like shaping the voices and, and guiding it and all of that um, and just the potential of the voices of young people. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I like how it's kind of like you wanted to make sure that the next generation kind of had like a similar mm -hmm. um, experience because of how good yours was. Yeah. I know I, I have two cousins and they last year for um, their band trip, they mm -hmm. got to go to Spain. Yeah. So I feel like those trips are really cool. They don't go on a crazy trip like that every year. Right. But it's a nice opportunity to like see somewhere else and mm -hmm. see a different culture and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so what, so you were at the end of high school. Did you have a college picked out that you were thinking about going to? Yes, um, and that's where my life got really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I had decided that I was going to go to my um, high school choir's alma mater. That I was so I got all signed up and applied and was accepted and enrolled at Kentucky State University in Frankfort, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I spent the summer after my senior year preparing. This is my first time going away and being away from my family. I was going to say, had you ever been there before? Did you visit before you went? Nope. What? <laughs> nope. I had experienced them. Like, they had come, their choir had come, like, to Chicago. and. Um, but that's different than you going yeah, down there. It's I a different uh, culture, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. you, you are so right. <laughs> and also like just for me like I had been so kind of sheltered by my family so I don't think I was ready to kind of um be away mm -hmm. so um I moved to Frankfort Kentucky I got all my stuff together and we had this like going away party and I moved to Frankfort Kentucky and I got down there and I was like, what did I do? My parents drove me down. They stayed overnight one night, and then they left and went home. Mm -hmm. And I was there. And I was there for like two days. And then one morning I woke up, and I was like, nope, not doing this. <laughs> wow. So I called my parents like, uh, I don't think I want to stay here. And it was, I remember it was like early in the morning and I would not, we were still like, I don't even think I had a cell phone. I think I, cause I remember specifically being on a pay phone. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember what year it was? 2000. Yeah. I didn't even have a cell phone then. So mm -hmm. probably no. not. I was on a pay phone and I went to the pay phone and I called my mom early in the morning and I was like, I don't think I want to do this. And she was like, well, dad is, I don't know if he wasn't there or he was, or if he was sleeping. And she was like, I think you're going to have to stay, but I'll tell dad. And then 
well, you'll, we'll let you know. And so I went back to bed because in my mind I was like, I'm going home. And so I waited a couple of hours and I went and I called back and uh, my dad was already on his way back. <laughs> to come and get you? Wow. Yeah. But what happened was I got down there and uh, I went to a, I think I just got intimidated. I went to a choir practice and that's what I was there. I was there for like a choir scholarship mm-hmm. and they were like, you have to be like this and you have to do this. And it, it almost felt like pledging. And I was like, but this is choir. And I just was not, I wasn't ready for all of that. Oh, like you had to do like weird things. Yeah, but like for choir, like requirements, right? Yeah, like march around campus singing the alma mater, and I was like, no, nah, uh, is not what I want to do. So I was like, oh, this is. And there were some other things too, but um, I just remember being like, I, and I think too, I just like I said, it was my first time being away. I felt overwhelmed and intimidated, and I don't think I was. Um, um, quite prepared to be on my own at that level. Mm-hmm. So I came back home and I, the only other school option that was open for me at that time was DePaul, but it was not in the school of music. And, um, so I found myself, I think in this is, this is called no wrong turns, right? So yeah. I took a lot of turns, but <laughs> some of them at the time they felt wrong and I'm sure that there's some good I can get out of these experiences but I went to DePaul and I started off as an education major and then I transferred at some point to computer science and then I switched (laughs) at some point to sociology because the thing that I really wanted to do was music but I felt I really struggled a lot as a young person with just feeling inadequate in terms of like my musical ability. Mm-hmm. And too often I got caught up in like comparison. I had some friends who were just really, really great musicians, you know, and, but they also had access to um, opportunities that I did not, right, mm-hmm. that helped in their musical development and so I just lacked the confidence in myself and maybe the drive it like when I first left high school to really pursue music Um, I wanted to do it but I just um, I don't know if I didn't feel ready or if I didn't feel good enough or whatever Mm -hmm. was going on in my mind at that time And so then I started saying, you know, kind of settling, like, well, I know I have to stay in college, so I might as well do this (laughs) and I might as well do that. But I was never satisfied in any of those things. And I could never seem to just focus. Um, To be perfectly honest, I was probably not the best student in high school. And probably my first couple of years at DePaul, I don't think I was, I don't know, I just really struggled a lot. I wouldn't say that I was the best student at all. Mm-hmm. Not that I think that there was anything wrong with me cognitively, but just in terms of like where I was in my maturity, my emotional um, maturity, all of those things, I just really struggled. And I don't always, I don't feel like I always had the support system I needed to really help me through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just kind of out there wandering by myself, wanting to go down a particular path but also not going down that particular path because of my own inner issues. Um, So I kind of wandered around DePaul for some years, never having any real concrete success. Also, I was commuting back and forth, so I did not really feel connected to the community. I never made any like long term friendships. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, like I was there for a couple of years, but I cannot look back at my experience at DePaul and name any substantial relationship. I don't think that there are any relationships that I made in my time there that are still in my life today. I just felt like a wanderer. And I think that that's important when you don't feel connected or a sense of belonging or 
feel connected to the community, it's hard to succeed, you know, when you feel like you're just showing up, but you're still kind of trying to, um, you're still kind of like in isolation, and that was real hard. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of people around you, but mm-hmm. you're not really close or friends with any of them. So right. you just feel like on a little island. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was my DePaul experience. And I stayed there off and on, sometimes part time, sometimes full time until um, maybe it was like 2004 or something like that. Yeah, 2004. And then, and off and on, I would like work part-time jobs just to like keep myself busy. Um, But then at that point, I got a job working in um, like human resources for a nonprofit organization. And it was like the first time I was making like real adult money. And so I was (laughs) like, "Eh, okay, I got this. I hadn't quite finished my degree, but I got the job. And then after being in that position for about a year, um, I started off as like an administrative assistant, and then after being in that position for a year, then I got a promotion into like benefits coordination, and so I'm, and I think what happened is I kind of got lulled into like this false sense of security. Like I had not quite finished this thing, had not really seen the realization of my my path and my um, my talents and ability, but life had kind of gotten comfortable, right? Because I was working a real job, making adult money. I was able to move out and get a little apartment, you know? Mm -hmm. So then the urgency to finish what I had intended to finish like that in that concert when I was in high school, like the urgency to complete that just kind of like got pushed away from me or I kind of pushed away from it. So... I worked that job for a couple of years. And then in 2007, I can say now it, it is a blessing. And I really believe this. I think that sometimes I'll, I'll say God will allow things to happen to kind of push us out of our comfort zone. Because if I was not, if that layoff had not happened, I maybe would not have, it kind of propelled me into like that next step. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the company or the, the organization I was working for, they had like two, well, they had multiple sets of like regions or states and these like the Southeast region and the central, some, somebody <laughs> merged <laughs> and the person that had my job that was comp- my comparable job, mm-hmm. she had like eight years to my three you know, in terms of seniority. So they kept her. And so then I got laid off and it was that moment. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to finish this degree. So I, what degree was that? Cause you kind of had bounced around. I was all over. Right. So which which one were you thinking about finishing? So this one, I decided that I was going to go and not just finish. I was going to go and start a music degree. Wow. So that how much, how many years was that looking at for you? Um, so it was kind of like starting all over again. Like I had some um, credits that transferred, but really it was a like a four year degree. And, and I did it in five because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to make things difficult. But yeah, so I decided that, and it was kind of this thing of, I got laid off and I was looking for other jobs and I seemed like I kept getting to like the door, like you're down to like two candidates. It's between you and another person. And then the other person would get the job and I'd be like, it was so frustrating. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to pursue this music thing because that's what I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be talking to a friend. We were like going out of town and we were on a road trip and on the way back, we were talking and she mentioned something about um, a voice teacher that she was uh, working with at the time. And I was like, Oh, I know her. She gave me voice lessons when I was in high school and I went to high school with her son. And it was just kind of like how those two worlds came together just very randomly. And so, and she was like, well, you should connect with her. And so that conversation led me to like reaching out to um, her name's Clarice Hearn. And so I reached out to her and then 
kind of pursued that. And then I wound up, she was teaching voice at um, the University of St. Francis in Joliet. And so that's where I ended up going to do this music degree. And so that's where I got my bachelor of music from. And again, just life, my life has definitely not been like a straight path. It has been like imperfect, <laughs> but I, like looking back now, I feel like there was a lot of purpose and a lot of, you know, maybe it was purpose. Maybe it was just me realizing that in spite of like mistakes and failures, you can always still just get up and try again and keep moving. And eventually like you will reach, um, your goal, but yeah, I ended up at University of St. Francis where I started and completed um, a degree in music. And at that time, when I went to USF, I was like, well, I'm going to pursue music education. And then I got into music education and I was like, I don't know if I really want to teach. <laughs> I don't know if this is the move for me. So I got into the education pro, like the music ed part. And I was like, I don't know if this is really what I want to do. I'm just going to do music performance. So mm -hmm. that's what I ended up doing. I ended up kind of not doing the ed part and just did the music performance. And I was like, man, I'll put my life together. I'll get this music performance degree and then I'll find a job that's teaching in not a traditional way because I was not fully committed to like, I'm going to be a classroom teacher. That did not seem like the move I wanted to make at the time. Um, so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. So I got the um, degree in music ed and then, yeah, then life got even more interesting. <laughs> so you graduated in 2012? Mm, 2000 well life is interesting <laughs> I my first graduation was 2011 I walked in 2011 and then I had a science class that I needed to complete like a science and a social science and then oh, okay. life got interesting and then I was like well well, not just interesting. It, it sometimes is very complicated. And that thing got kind of drawn out. So, like, I actually, my, what's on my, like, transcript and my degree is December 2014. Okay. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. So, after you pretty much graduated, mm -hmm. what was your next step? Um, besides like procrastinating mm -hmm. <laughs> those two classes, what were, what were you doing or what were you in a specific job or what were you, um, what was your next step? So I decided it, well, not decided I needed to work. And part of me with the other two classes was just kind of like financial, like I needed to make money to pay for classes right. and all of that. And so that got a little bit complicated. So immediately after I thought that life was just like going in a right direction because so we're thinking like 2000 spring 2011 I had a no summer 2011 I had an internship with Chicago Children's Choir and I thought that for forever that's who I wanted to uh, work for I thought that you know even if I'm not a classroom teacher I come out and with a degree in music and a degree in voice I thought that I would be able to teach you know at like a, a organization like Chicago Children's Choir so I got the internship and I thought that that was really great and that it would look great on my resume and toward the end of that no so that happened and then the next summer I ended up getting an internship with the Grant Park Music Festival and I was the chorus assistant for that, and I made some connections there. And there were some job openings that came, like full-time job openings that came at Chicago Children's Choir. And I applied, again, thinking that, like, I had the internship with them. I always wanted to work for them. I thought for sure I was going to get a job with them. And, again, it was one of those situations. It came down to, like, I was one of a few finalists, and mm -hmm. I didn't get the job. Um, and at the time, the person that was interviewing me told me that she didn't think that I was going to stay in that role. She thought because my degree was in performance, she thought that I would not be satisfied in a role there, that eventually I would leave to pursue a performance career. 
That's interesting. It is real interesting because... I think eventually you might leave. Yeah. I think most people do. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It was. So that was my, I guess, the reasoning behind me not getting that job. Um, But then I was working, the next summer I worked at, like I said, Grant Park Music Festival. And from there, that was like a short-term thing. And I thought, wow, this is another great opportunity. I think I did really well at the job. I made some good connections. And I thought that it would lead me into even like my next thing. Because by this time, I um, realized that I kind of enjoyed doing kind of more like artist management and like that kind of thing. So I was doing a lot of like backstage stuff and which was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And I didn't get a full-time job after that. I attempted to, but opportunities just seemed to be kind of closed to me at that time. So from there, I went and I did another kind of like short-term thing with the University of Chicago, again, doing like backstage stuff and um, kind of more artist management. And then from there, I got... And every time I went into these things, it was like, maybe there's a potential for something full-time permanent, but it just didn't materialize. And then from there, I went to Chicago Symphony Orchestra, again, doing like administrative slash executive assistant work. Again, opportunities came there where like full-time positions would open and I apply. And it just seemed like nothing was working. I wasn't getting yeses, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was because I was a bad employee. I think I actually was a really great employee and highly recommended. It just seemed like the opportunities that I was looking for were not just opened to me at that time. I got a lot of no's, a lot, a lot of no's. Hey listeners, this week we have a returning podcast sponsor, and that is Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting, run by Michelle Bernard. Are you looking for a qualified coach, group facilitator, or speaker? At Olive Branch, Michelle comes alongside her clients as they see new opportunities and progress towards their goals, grow in personal development, and experience hope. Similar to the No Wrong Turns pod, Michelle loves to hear people's stories and their passions and then help bring forth action to their dreams. This is accomplished through individual, group coaching, speaking events, and group facilitating. All of Branch Coaching and Consulting is currently based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Coaching sessions are done over video calls. Speaking events and group facilitating can easily be arranged for out-of-town events as well. You can follow Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting on Instagram at Olive Branch CNC, that is at O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-C-A-N-D-C, and check out their website at www.olivebranchcnc.com. That is www.olivebranchcandc.com. Olive Branch Coaching Consulting is offering you No Wrong Turns Pod listeners a special discount. Email Michelle at Michelle with two L's at olivebranchcnc.com with the subject line, No Wrong Turns Pod Listener for a 10% off five session coaching package deal. This offer is valid through December 1st, 2020. Thanks for sponsoring the pod. All right, back to Jackie's story. So after the Chicago Symphony thing, I thought, okay, well, I had Chicago Children's Choir, good experience at Grant Park, I had University of Chicago, I had CSO, all of these things. And I went into them knowing that they were short term, but also feeling like I was walking away with like knowing more people, having possibly good recommendations. Mm -hmm. And so I was sure that like things were just going to open up and opportunities would just come and 
life would just be great. And I remember the CSO thing ended um, like June 2012, and I was for sure like, I'm going to get a job like within a month because I have all of this stuff and I'm ready and like I've, I've been building skills and so on and so forth. And it was probably a year from that date that I actually was able to find any job. Wow. And it was not that I was not trying, you know, I was applying for everything I saw, following up with people. It just was a really hard time to like find work. Mm -hmm. And I would sometimes like, again, go on interviews. And by this time I was just like, forget the whole music thing. Again, this is a, <laughs> another time I'm just like, forget it. Because at, at some point I started feeling like, well, maybe I'm being irresponsible with that too. Maybe I should just accept that music is a thing that I like and I enjoy, but not something that I really, maybe I start feeling like it was maybe just me being indulgent mm -hmm. and that I needed to be a little bit more practical and just find any kind of job. So, yeah. but it just seemed like nothing was opening to me. And then eventually I started doing kind of like, temporary work I got a couple of positions like in in HR again and some in like um like donor management kind of things and I just felt like I was getting further and further away from that original intention that I had in summer 2000 and to be perfectly honest with you it was discouraging it was depressing it was definitely a very dark time and these things can really impact, and they did impact my sense of, I would say it impacted my self-esteem, you know, to constantly be going after something and constantly hearing no's, and then you start wondering, like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't this happen for me, you yeah. know? And then, of course, you know, you talk to people, and even now when I tell this story, I guess sometimes I'm afraid that people will be like, well, something must have been wrong, but... <laughs> Really, I was doing everything that I knew to do. It just, things were just not opening to mm -hmm. me like I wanted them to. So I kind of had to kind of start piecing my life together. I did a, a series of like, um, what do you call it, like temporary jobs. And I remember one of the last positions I had, again, it was, and by this time I'm like, okay, I don't have to do music, but I just need a full-time job. And yeah. at this point too, I'm thinking about, I need to finish these classes to like actually have that paper. And then it's like, but I need to work. I need to get a job so I can make money so that I can pay for these classes. And it was just all like all over the place. Mm -hmm. So one of the last temporary positions I had, it was a situation where I came in and I was hired on a temporary basis to do a job like assisting someone else. And I got into that and maybe like a week into it, the person that I was brought in to assist left the company. And so then they asked me to like start doing the thing that she was doing. And I did oh, that wow. for um, like, so the, the, the um, position like kind of was extended a little bit. And so I stepped into that and did my best with it. And while I was there, like, a position opened up full time. And again, I'm like, I'm here. I've taken on this challenge. I applied for the position. I was sure that it was going to work out. And it was a no again. And it was like a thing of like, it's between you and this one other person. And it was a no. And I just, I couldn't understand all the no's, yeah. you know? I think when I talk about it now, I still feel very, I still kind of feel the emotions of that, you know, to constantly like be king, putting yourself out there and just having like opportunity after opportunity, just door closed. And by this time, I think too, what I started feeling was like, did I miss my calling in terms of like teaching? Maybe that's the thing that I should have done. Maybe I should have gotten a teaching degree. And so now I'm starting to have these thoughts and regrets and like maybe I went down the wrong path and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's. So how did you get, because I know you are a music teacher now. Mm -hmm. So how did you get from all of those no's and like basically like you're so close, like runner up, yeah. like so close, but so far. So how did you get to, um, to where you are today 
what kind of were the um, events after all of those no's and all those kind of um, temporary positions mm-hmm. and um, almost like internships mm-hmm. kind of to like put on your resume and it looks good that you have that experience Mm -hmm. but um just not quite enough right well like i said i had started to kind of like through this process my brain had kind of started going back and thinking about maybe i should have done music ed and i have a, a friend who's a teacher and i remember him posting things about like his music class and i was just like Maybe that's what I should have done. And so then I started thinking, well, maybe I just need to go back to school mm-hmm. and and do music education and like whether it's getting a certification or master's degree or whatever. So my mind just kind of started thinking about those things. Back to school again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so and I think it was always my intention to, to go back to school at some point, um, even when I was an undergrad, my like my my big goal was to do like do a bachelor's in performance and then a master's in education or something like that and then mm-hmm. eventually to do like a PhD in conducting is really oh wow um what I wanted to do and still do um but um so I had started kind of thinking maybe I should really start thinking about this music ed thing because that was my original intention and so it was funny I was right before I started grad school this was maybe about like July August or something like that it had to be like or maybe it was more June and July I had applied for a couple of schools I had applied at Vandercook and I had also applied at Northeastern Illinois University and Mm -hmm. I just put the things out there and I was like I'm gonna apply and whichever school like gets back to me and accepts me first that's the one that I'm going to um, no before then I had applied and I had gotten some well I did do that like whichever school I hear from first that's the one and it must have been Vandercook but right before I started made the commitment for Vandercook I was also like applying for a couple of jobs and they Mm -hmm. were not music related at all but I was like I need to work and again it was one of those situations where it seemed like this is a for sure thing and then but it was kind of like this overlap where where I was waiting to hear back about the decision for the job and school starting Mm -hmm. and so School started in in August, and it was like almost right after it was too late for me to enroll for that August, that's when I found out that I did not get the jobs that I was waiting for. And I thought, this is so crazy. And so after that, I was like, forget it. The next semester, I'm just going because I can't keep putting my life on hold, waiting for things that don't materialize. So I ended up at Vandercook in January 2015 Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I got on that path so when did you finish your degree there 2017 okay yeah was it 2017 yes and so after you finished that what was the next thing that happened because I'm guessing that you didn't get the job that you had while you were still in school. Mm-mm. So it's just really, I think, kind of miraculous how things work out. And I was sharing this with a friend today. Like when you're on the right path, like there are doors that open up to you and you don't even, like I think about all the doors I knocked on asking for entry or asking to be accepted or asking to be received and how many doors were just kind of closed to me right but when I towards the end of my degree at Vandercook it was just kind of really interesting I when it came down to doing my student teaching I was living in Joliet at the time so all the time I was at Vandercook I was commuting back and forth from Joliet to Chicago and back and forth so when it came down to setting my student teaching placements I decided I was going to be super smart and I was going to do some student teaching out in 
that area. So mm-hmm. I did my first round of student teaching in Naperville, and then I was all set to have my second round of student teaching happen in Joliet, which was like at a high school that was like five minutes away from where I was living. Mm-hmm. But because life is interesting, <laughs> right before I started student teaching, I ended up back in Chicago. So things in life just kind of went on its head and I wound up back in Chicago, specifically back in my parents' house. <laughs> so that, that was fun. And I love my parents, just in case they ever hear this. <laughs> love you, mom. Love you, dad. <laughs> I was so grateful, but also it was very stressful. And so now I'm like, all this time I've been living out in Joliet, and now I have opportunity to do something that's close to me. I really felt like not only did I wind up back in Chicago, but I think it really was where I was supposed to be. So I did my first round again in Naperville. So I was now traveling from Chicago to Naperville and back and forth doing my first round of student teaching. And then maybe a week or two before I was supposed to start the second round of student teaching in Joliet, someone from Vandercook reached out to me and asked me if I would consider doing student teaching at um, UIC College Prep, which is where I am now. You're like, yes, the location (laughs) is right. We are good. You know? And so... That's crazy. Yeah. So that's how I ended up, you know, at UIC and... And even then, I was still like, well, maybe I can, because I had another friend that was teaching elsewhere, and I was like, well, maybe I can just student teach with him, and blah, blah, blah. And it just, like, it was like, nope, here. And so I started my student teaching at UIC, and again, once I got in a couple of weeks, the current choir teacher at that time informed Mm -hmm. me that she was thinking about moving on from that position and encouraged me to apply if I was interested. Uh, she encouraged me to apply. But like, she, yes, I yeah, am. Thank you. Right? <laughs> um, and she was also very supportive of me being in that role, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I say, and I have to remember this about other areas of my life. Um, I will say that my faith is very important to me. There was a time when I was much more religious and religion sometimes for me is very weird now but um, I definitely say that I am a person of faith and I don't believe that that was coincidental Mm -hmm. that at the moment that I was prepared to do the thing that I had intended to do almost 20 years ago the door was open for me to just kind of like walk in and just a few turns of circumstances I'm going down one path and then all of a sudden here's a door that is just like open right and again Mm -hmm. like I said I think about all the doors I knocked on trying to gain entrance to and how they were closed off and then once I just put myself in the right direction and it was a lot of ups and down dips and turns I would say if I'm going to be honest with about it like I made lots of mistakes. I made a lot of errors, you know. It was both me making error and both just the way things were were happening. There were times when maybe th- there was nothing more that I could have done in certain situations, you know. So, but like I said, when it came down to me, co- when when it was time and I was ready, the door was open and I didn't even have to knock. Mm-hmm. You know, the door just appeared. And by this time, though, I was ready to walk through that door and through to that opportunity. And so then here I am today. And you love being a music teacher? Most of the time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yes. I mean, I definitely think it has its challenges. But I am convinced of of one thing that I believe I am where I'm supposed to be right now at this place in my life Mm -hmm. so even on days when it gets hard and I'm wondering can I sustain this it is not a matter of me quitting like this is where I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. and so then even when it gets hard I believe that I'm just supposed to learn I just these are just hard things I have to go through and I have to figure out how to get better at at certain aspects of teaching or even relationships and all of that Mm -hmm. but um, I love it. 
it's rewarding. It's also sometimes super challenging. But knowing and believing that I'm where I'm supposed to be, I think is the thing that makes it worth it and the reason why I keep showing up and doing. And I don't feel like running away, even when sometimes I do want to run away. <laughs> I think most teachers will say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to pivot for a moment and ask you about if you know of any kind of common myths that surround your passion of being a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe something that you or things that you've heard, maybe your friends or family or mm-hmm. TV shows kind of saying that music teachers are, but you're like, well, actually, this mm. isn't quite true. Yeah. Uh, one thing I get a lot is like, I'll meet people and they'll ask me what I do. And I say, oh, I'm a choir teacher. And they immediately say, oh, fun. And I think, it's not always fun. <laughs> um, but I think the idea that like, or even people that I know who know that, who they know that I love music and all of that, I guess maybe in their minds, they think we're just there and we're just like, having a happy sing-along every day and that's that's not <laughs> all just standing is. around the piano yeah it is not always that kind of um that kind of party i mean i work with teenagers who have a bunch of emotional hormones mental, yeah <laughs> hormonal needs and can be very varied you know also for kind of like young people sometimes being vulnerable and opening up and singing can be a very hard thing to do i always think about and not to knock band because i think band is also wonderful but in choir there is no like i always tell the kids you know like in in band you have an instrument right so if your clarinet squawks you can maybe blame it on a split reed or you Mm -hmm. know is the neck of the clarinet properly uh in place or whatever you know so and also there's kind of like this thing between you and other people right Mm -hmm. so it's not so much like your whole self but singing can be very vulnerable and like like your whole self and so then a lot of times what happens with kids is you know they're afraid to be judged right because this thing our instrument is inside of us and if it comes out of me and it doesn't sound good then people are going to judge me and are going to make fun and so a lot of what I do is like kids are not necessarily always coming to my class like let's sing and we're going to open up like it's a lot of it like can you please open up and sing please you like know? just a little louder right. <laughs> so you know because at this stage they, you know they're very much aware of one another and very influenced by thoughts opinions of other people right so it it can be fun but my job is not always just fun right Mm -hmm. I have to find ways of getting my own musical fix that is not work you know when I want to be fulfilled musically I'm either going to a concert or finding other people at my same level that I can like sing and engage with but it's not this the same thing I'm not just there just having fun every day (laughs) Mm -hmm. awesome so do your friends and family, like throughout your journey, have they been supportive of your goal to be a music teacher or uh, what do they think about your, your passion? I think my family and friends have been, I have a, a one friend in particular who um, I was roommates with, with for a number of years, was very, very supportive of my journey to become a music teacher both in undergrad and grad school my family the same way I think there were times when my father was a little bit concerned like are you ever gonna get a a job girl (laughs) (laughs) you know because it's like yeah the music thing is fine but you also need to work and make a living Mm -hmm. you know so I think he's like yeah great music but I was glad you got a job (laughs) um but yeah my family and friends have been very supportive If someone is listening and they're hearing your story and they're like, hey, yeah, I'm also interested in music and I think I might be interested in teaching, Mm -hmm. what would be your advice for them kind of on what they should do as their next step? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think it all would depend on like where they are. I think if they know they they want to do it, finding a program, like for instance, you want to do music education, finding a program that specializes in that, I think is key. I think that there are some schools where it's kind of like you do music and then also take education courses. I think the ideal situation is being in a place where they kind of specialize in music ed and teaching the discipline of music. Mm-hmm. I think also just developing your own skill and ability, whether it's through an instrument or voice instruction, is also like super important. Um, yeah, so you need to be educated to do this thing. What would be, what What do you wish maybe somebody had told you or maybe somebody did tell you this, but you just didn't hear it very well? What's something that you kind of wish that you had heard at the beginning of your, as you started out on this passion mm-hmm. that you wish you could have heard or somebody could have told you as you're starting out? I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it was anything that I wish someone could have told me as much as it is. I wish that I had had more access to my own kind of like music instructions in terms of like private music instruction Mm -hmm. and really building up my own skill because I think I could have gotten to this place sooner had I not felt so intimidated and inadequate in my own ability and skill. Mm -hmm. I guess if anything, I wish I had been reassured that that I was enough. Mm-hmm. Because I think I always have had it in me and I just didn't always believe in myself. So maybe that kind of support or that, you know, hearing someone say that. But beyond that, I would say I wish that I had both had give, been given access and w- would have applied myself even more to my own like private music instruction, like in piano or voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like development of your skill set. Mm-hmm. Are there any any resources that you felt that really helped you on your journey in becoming a music teacher that you would recommend to others, whether it be like a, um, a specific internship or job that you had, or I'm not sure, it's a little bit different from music. I feel like it's not like, you know, necessarily like reading something, Yeah. but do you, do you have any resources that helped you along the way? Mm-hmm. I would say the internships I had were definitely um, key, both the one for like Grant Park and then also Chicago Children's Choir because it really gave me insight onto like what were next steps for me in terms of like um, what I should be doing both musically and then Chicago Children's Choir in particular to see what other youth choirs were doing and what they were capable of, a little bit of seeing like how music was programmed and and all of that so I think that those were um key so like having a good internship is great Mm -hmm. um yeah I would say too um I didn't really do a whole lot of this but I think that there are so many opportunities especially for young people and well people of all ages in and out of the city to be involved with some kind of music performing organization whether it's like if you're in high school, like all city band or chorus or um, other just kind of like community choir organizations, I think that those are great places to meet people and build community, to grow your skill and and all of those things. So I think that that's important to like kind of seek those things out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like a community. Mm-hmm. Of, every, of other people who are kind of on the same right. same path or, you know, branch that you are. Absolutely. Is there anything that I should have asked you but I didn't or anything that you feel like I glazed over that you want to share? Um, well, I think one of the things that, I, that I've been thinking about a, a lot lately is the need for me to kind of keep my passion alive. As, a, as I was saying before, I enjoy my job. I believe I'm where... I'm supposed to be, but one of the things that I'm definitely being very aware of is like my occupation is a piece of my passion, but it is not the whole thing. I think that there is still more for me to grow and develop and build in my own self. Mm-hmm. Um, music definitely is my passion, um, but I've, as, especially as I get older, I think that there are other 
pieces of of me that I want to develop and I think it's just as important um, a lot of times I think what ends up happening is we are going through life looking for purpose and we find a job and a job can be a part of our purpose but I don't know if it is the sum total of like I have found my purpose in life mm-hmm. and so I'm in a place now if of finding balance between like I'm in this place I have purpose here but also there's so much more of me that I need to grow and develop and build and um and explore right whether it's in music or other um avenues so just kind of like I think that that's important to me right now yeah I think that's really good like what I heard the main thing I heard you just say was that your job or your occupation isn't going to be like the whole pie of Mm -hmm. like your passion and that kind of thing and I think that's really important because there I think are especially when you're coming out of college or high school or something Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are diving into to have their Mm -hmm. whole purpose and mission and everything defined in like in in a job yeah and it's hard to kind of separate the two Mm -hmm. and realize that you you have more than just what you're doing nine to five or Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing for those 40 to 60 hours however long people decide to work absolutely (laughs) for for the week yeah and it's kind of like a thing of like my job is what I do and I'm passionate about it but I'm also passionate about who I am and pouring into that like Mm -hmm. who do I want to be showing up in this world when I leave this world, what do I want people to remember about me or what do I want to leave behind? And I think that that becomes more important to me than what I do because really even I'm doing this now, teaching high school choir, but that may not be what I do forever. Mm-hmm. So even if I go on and I do something else, the most important thing for me is who am I in this world and how am I showing up? in the world and that is the thing that I'm most passionate about I think at this stage of my life awesome all right I have one more question for you and we ask all our podcast guests this Mm -hmm. and it is what is fueling you today what's fueling your passion so this could be anything um from a new uh coffee drink or a new book or Mm -hmm. a new song or a new tv show something that is fueling you or and um so what's feeling you today i think the thing that i'm looking for right now is this kind of this need to find balance in my life i think really is a is a thing mm-hmm. um i was kind of sharing with you before that i um saw a video and in, in in the video um they were talking about like don't give your all to the whirlwind and to reserve some parts of you for rest and play and so I think Mm -hmm. right now I definitely can find myself very much caught up in the whirlwind so like I'm being very intentional about like making sure I make time for rest and play Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think that that's the thing that's occupying my mind and mostly right now just kind of like where when am I gonna rest and when am I gonna have a good time you know um and yeah, I think that that's, that's the thing. And just kind of like some personal goals that I have for myself. Um, I hope to be a first-time home buyer, this home Ooh. owner, home buyer. Yeah, home, Buyer and home, owner. Both. Yeah. <laughs> um, this year. Um, then also just have some goals in terms of my health and, and wellness and just finding that balance and doing things that I think are going to make me feel good on the inside mm-hmm. out is important to me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your passion. And um, it was was great to hear your story. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Jackie. It was great to hear Jackie's story of how she kept pursuing her passion for music. One of my favorite takeaways from this chat was from Jackie's story about how music remained a big passion of hers and it did not become something that was just her occupation. I liked how she explained that even though her occupation is music every day, 
that she makes it a point to grow personally in her own music development and enrichment outside of her classroom. This idea of guarding our initial passions, even when they do lead into careers, is something that I think is important to nurture growth and be consistently pouring into the foundation of your passion so it doesn't become stale. I can see how Jackie's decision to do this has greatly enriched her personal passion for music and how that can outpour onto her music career as well. I hope that we are all encouraged today through Jackie's story and passion. My prayer for you is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by me, Audrey, our social media managed by Olivia Bote, and you can see the show notes for our music credits.